Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Hello, and welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. This is Laura Gregg with my fabulous co-host, David Partain. Mm -hmm. Hello, David. Hello, Laura. Nice of you to start off with a joke. <laughs> Not at all. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think you're going to be really excited about this uh, episode. I know that I am, but David, you especially, you are in the midst of managing the creation of a whole new website and experience for flex shares. And we are all super excited about all the new bells and the whistles that the site will have and how much easier it'll be for all of us really to update our content and tag content so that hopefully people out there will be able to find flex shares much easier in their search for focused financial content. Yeah, that's true, Laura. We are, uh, going to take it step by step. First step is to move to a new content management system, which will allow for a lot of that tagging. And we're excited about that opportunity. We, we are looking forward to advisors getting information that is important to them. So if an advisor is uh, really focused on real assets, then that's really the content they want to receive. You can imagine if you were on Amazon and you were looking for, say, grills and you began to get uh, dishwasher uh, advertisements, how, you know, frustrating that would be. And so that's as branding and marketing moves into that direction, we want to keep pace. And so that's the direction we're headed. You know, David, with all of your focus on helping us improve our digital capabilities, I, I think you and hopefully our advisor listeners are really going to enjoy today's guest, April Rudin. April is the founder and president of the Rudin Group and is well-known for, uh, she's a well-known marketing strategist for financial services and wealth management sectors. She is on the forefront of forecasting and leveraging critical trends through her expertise in digital and traditional media. And IBM actually recognized April as an influencer in wealth management and fintech. And she is regularly featured on uh, many uh, sites as a source of expert commentary to international news and business outlets, trade publications, and broadcast media. April and her firm designed bespoke marketing campaigns for some of the world's leading wealth management firm for fintechs, family offices, and they help their clients build campaigns that will strengthen their brand value and drive client acquisition. April, we were so delighted to have you on the Flexible Advisor podcast. I'm flattered, Laura. It's great to meet you and David here today and looking forward to this conversation. Well, thank you, April. I guess if you're a an official influencer, like what did we pay you to come on? Well, we'll discuss that later and then disclose that later. So uh, since no money has changed hands, we have no compliance violations that I know of right now. So, All right. Well, that's great. Well, we are and I am specifically delighted to have you on the show today. And I do look forward to talking digital and marketing and branding. But before doing so, give us a little background about you and your company. 
Sure. Well, I um, grew up in Michigan and I live in New York City now. So I always point that out because I'm a native Midwesterner, like I think the two of you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always tell people I live in New York, but I'm from Michigan. (laughs) I began my career working for Kelly Services, the temporary help company. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always call myself the original millennial girl because I was hired by the president of the company. He asked me one question, um, and this will date me, but he asked me, do you know the Wang word processor? And I said, yes. And he said, you're hired because we don't. We have typewriters in all of our offices. And so my very first job was to find was analog to digital, which was really a transformational time. And now we're really just sort of iterative to digital. Um, I ended up relocating with Kelly to New York and um, spent some time working there, took some time off to raise my kids. And when I went back to work, uh, I realized New York has financial services in the garment center. And I like to buy garments, but I didn't think I wanted to work in the garment center. So I went to financial services and worked for a friend of mine whose family was credited with inventing multifamily office. And I took a look around there, David, and I thought to myself, my kids will never buy from these brands with a chess, a lighthouse, a compass, a mahogany table and leather chairs. Um, I saw a real opportunity for wealth management firms to, um, at that time, I called it millennialize themselves to have multi-generational marketing, to think digitally, and so on. And um, just just one quick little anecdote uh, on that. So I went to a friend of mine who ran a large trust company here in New York at the time. And I told him my idea for a business. And now, David, keep in mind, this is 14 years ago. Yeah. And he told me, well, you're a very nice girl, April, but you're number one, too old to be an entrepreneur. (laughs) Number two, he told me banks will never hire outside firms. High net worth people will never be on the Internet and social media is a fad. (laughs) Had a couple things wrong there, didn't he, April? (laughs) He might have, and he might have retired early, and I don't know where he is now, but I took all of, all of those things into consideration and ran home and downloaded a, a website toolkit and built my first website for myself 14 years ago and launched my firm. Wow, congratulations. I have tried myself, and it is uh, hard work, and so I, you are due congratulations. It seems to me that there are several people throughout the years, and I, I heard a quote once about uh, the original record producer that they went to for the Beatles who said that guitar groups are on their way out, and so uh, I am sure he also retired early. <laughs> I do remember when fax marketing was a, a big deal, but Branding is so important now and so often not done well, or it seems to me not followed strictly for advisory firms. I'm curious, what advice would you give them about how to think about their brand? Uh, Well, I guess the first bit of advice I would give David is, uh, as you say, think about their brand. So Mm. in other words, I don't think uh, many advisors understand or think about themselves as having a brand and understand the value with it. And if I can back up just a little bit to that question also, I would say Mm -hmm. that for many advisors who rail against do-it-yourself investors, 
many advisors become do-it-yourself marketers and <laughs> not always the best. You know, you might see when you look at their website, I, I had an advisor that I was chatting with today. You see when you look at their website that it looks pro forma. It's got stock photos. It's got language that's not differentiated. Um, so there is really no brand and there's nothing unique to that advisor website. And so a couple of bits of advice that I would have there is number one, use a professional, hire a professional, just mm -hmm. as you advise your clients to hire professional investors and money managers, you want to hire someone professional to help you with building out your website and your brand. The other thing that I want to point out about brand uh, and why it's so important for financial advisors is because it's everybody knows that wealth management is really a relationship business. Yeah. And so the brand becomes something that is really important for end investors and referrers who go to your website, who really understand what your differentiation is and your brand can be. Uh, additive to that and emotive, David uh, mm. and Laura. So it really is going to invoke some sort of emotion on their side, which will, of course, add to the relationship. And then also the messages that come out of that brand, again, really critical. What are your points of differentiation? And what is it that your firm does that's different from advisor XYZ down the street? Yeah, and following up on that, you know, it seems to me you're you're mentioning some of uh, qualities around when you put together your value proposition. How how can an advisor differentiate themselves utilizing a good value proposition in the marketplace? So great question, David. I would say that today I find it even more important to put out more personal information as mm. opposed to professional information. In other words, I see a lot of advisors saying fiduciary or their licensing or something like that, when that might not be the connection point for many investors who are looking for advisors with whom they want to develop a long-term relationship. They might not even understand what the licenses are or understand what fiduciary is. However, what they might, what they will understand is, for example, I started out our conversation just by throwing out that I grew up in Detroit. Mm -hmm. So that can be a conversation starter. I have two sons. Um, one of them works in financial services. I like to play tennis. So the more information that advisors can put out about themselves personally will really enhance their value prop professionally, meaning that it gives them a leg up or a point of differentiation that can be a conversation starter. Yeah, so you're really telling your story, basically. So we use, and so I'm going to jump down, an advisor has done this, they uh when we use a group that helps us measure our our brand effectiveness with advisors, how can advisors who aren't you know big and don't use these big companies to measure their brand, how can they tell if their brand's really hitting the mark? Well, there's one really important way to tell, and that's lead gen. Mm. Um, so the way the the you know process should work is you should be putting out messages to the marketplace. In an yeah. integrated way, meaning um, newsletter, um, media, social media, digital, 
um, events, right, in, in an integrated way. And then people will more than likely return to your website as a validation point. And mm. then the next uh, step would be for them to contact you. So, so if good. you're not getting all of those touch points, and you can easily see with Google Analytics what your website traffic looks like. And in the um, example I gave you earlier of the advisor I was talking about today, he mm -hmm. told me he, he received about 150 website hits, but he received zero inquiries. Oh, so there's something in between his website is not communicating enough about him or enough differentiation about him that anyone wants to contact him. It really looks very um, pro forma, as I was saying, stock photos and stock language. Mm. You know, he talks about integrity and trust and so on, which every advisor can talk about. And those are almost givens. Um, so April, a couple of things. One, I have a few friends from Detroit and you are you Detroit people are among the most proud of your heritage. Um, I rarely seem to mention I grew up outside of Akron, Ohio, but um, I always know when I'm talking to somebody who was born and raised in Detroit, because that's one of the first things they tell me. <laughs> um, that's funny. You know, in fact, there was a, a Detroit homecoming last week I wish I could have gone to, which uh, I will definitely attend next year, but you're right. But I know Ohio is rounded both ends and high in the middle. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, but, you know, kind of speaking of that, you know, the, the personal and who we are, you know, that really lends itself to social media. But I know that when we first spoke and talked about possibly doing a podcast, you told me something that kind of um, stopped me in my tracks. You said, um, when it comes to social media, specifically LinkedIn, advisors are using it completely wrong. And they you know, most advisors, nearly all advisors, I think you said, probably are in need of a reboot of their social media strategy. So I'd, I'd love to talk about that. And what are those advisors and probably me getting wrong? What what should we be doing? So um, I don't want to say everybody's all wrong, and I'm all right. But uh, <laughs> What I, what I do want to say, Laura, about that is that it struck me that many advisors and many firms go on to LinkedIn with the express purpose of thinking that they're going to meet end investors who are looking for new financial advisors. And if you take a step back and you think of it, think about it, it's really opportunistic. When will somebody be looking for a new financial advisor? And if we had the answer to that, Laura, we would just have a silver bullet and we would just go to those people and there would be no need for marketing or sales. Um, but the truth is that we don't know um, when that's happening. And so I thought to myself, well, what we really need to do is have a better method of creating multiples of, of clients also. And that every time advisors spend time with one client, that's just one client. And if you're looking to really grow your book of business, doing it in onesies is going to be really difficult and opportunistic. You have a lot of factors playing against you. So um, so the new idea and the pro tip for the end of 2022 and 2023 is to really have advisors focus in on using LinkedIn and focusing in uh, a good portion of their marketing 
aimed at B2B rather than B2C marketing. Why? Because connecting with CPAs, connecting with matrimonial attorneys, connecting with um, trust and estates attorneys, for example, connecting with professionals, insurance advisors will put you at the precipice of a wealth event, most likely. So a CPA may be working with a client who's selling their business. That wealth event may drive someone to want a new financial advisor. That's not opportunistic. And then also having the referral come from a professional holds a lot more weight. So because of that, I think it's really important for advisors to just pull back and refocus and retarget their marketing efforts on LinkedIn toward meeting and connecting and creating a really robust network of B2B. So um, not only on LinkedIn, so pivoting your um, connections, the people you're targeting with uh, a, a really robust referral network, posting content, David, posting content that um, appeals to end referral sources and centers of influence, uh, along with end investors. But really, the lion's share of your marketing, I think, should be focused in on creating relationships with referral sources, because those are multiples. They're right on the precipice of a, of a wealth event, and they give a professional referral, which I think holds a lot of weight. So it's not as opportunistic as, and not as uh, haphazard and um, uh, as just trying to find end investors. So, April, what I'm I'm trying to imagine, you know the content that an advisor might post to appeal to a CPA or a trust attorney. What, what, what does that look like? So it could look like strategies that you might use for um, manage for uh, sudden wealth, right? That's something that is going to appeal to a CPA, for example, or a matrimonial attorney. So that sort of content um, it could also be um, some other advisors that we work with and other firms will host also continuing education for CPAs on wealth and wealth management so that they can gain their knowledge uh, and increase their knowledge. Um, another example, I'm trying to think of another example of uh, content could be around, um, let's say, uh, you know, direct indexing strategies or ESG strategies or managing multi-generational wealth, all sorts of things that can appeal to end um, centers of influence and other professionals rather than just appealing to and personal finance topics for end investors. So a mix, but I would say maybe 80-20 focusing in on the B2B side. So, you know, I've heard a lot of complaints over the years um, as it relates to building up your CO COI network um, from advisors who say, I'm constantly giving the local CPA, the local trust attorney leads. I'm, I'm sending my customers there and I never get anything in return. Is, is this LinkedIn something that could help with that or what, what strategies might you give to those advisors that seem very dissatisfied with the um, the return of referrals to them from these COIs? So I would say that likely um, those are not good referral sources, right? And they need to abandon 
referring their valuable clients to these CPAs or trust and estates attorneys, for example, you need to find somebody who's like-minded, who understands the reciprocity involved here and um, someone who is interested in building their book. So you might want to find an advisor who is around similar age to yourself, similar values to yourself, you know, building their book of business or at a particular life stage um, or a big firm, a small firm, right? Somebody whose firm size matches yours or somebody with whom you can just build a really a great personal relationship. Um, those will be more likely great referral sources. Um, sometimes advisors um, are expecting too much. Um, you know, big firms might already have some other referral agreements in place or there could be other, you know, existing relationships that they're not aware of. So there's no reason that says that you have to stick with those relationships. I would move on and um, try to find other um, referral sources that could be better and yield better results. And how do you do that is by connecting with those people on LinkedIn. So you can generally tell when you're looking at their LinkedIn profile, um, do they seem to be business development minded? Um, what kinds of things are they saying on their LinkedIn? How quickly do they get back with you? Um, and so on. So I would suggest it's almost like an interview where you want to speak to several right, of those people and have a wide range of B2B referral sources and then stick with those that yield the best results. Well, April, it's hard to believe that we're already near the end of the year. I can't believe it. It's gone so fast. And I'm curious about what you see as some key trends that you've you've noticed in the marketplace that are evolving in 2023 for the advisory industry. So I would say um, that's a great question, of course, and it is hard to believe 2020, yeah. although I don't even know. I'm not sure I know what year it is anymore. <laughs> I just say everything was last year, and I'm not sure if that means two years <laughs> or when I just say last year, it means in the past. But it's true. I think that, you know, it's funny when I think about it, David. So I founded my business 14 years ago around the idea of um, more digital. And now we are at 2023. So I think, you know, the word of the year would be digital. And that comes through marketing, client communications, um, branding, really everything needs to be digital because people will, as I say, David, they will vet you before they met you. And so it's really important to have your online profile be robust and have everything really line up. So that means your website, your LinkedIn, the content that you put out as an advisor, everything really has to line up and tell the same story as we were talking about before. So no matter where someone finds you, and it's not always online, but when they do vet you online, they will read that same information. So I like to say to people that, you know, if, if, if not if, but when, because I'm coming to Chicago in November, when we meet, uh, what we can, what, and uh, perhaps we go to a restaurant. If you invite me to a restaurant, uh, <laughs> what, what might I be likely to do there, David and Laura? <laughs> I think she's asking for an influencer type of situation, right? I would <laughs> love to see you when you're in Chicago. Eh? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. And the other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to vet that restaurant. I'm going to go take a look at the menu ahead of time Yep. and see if it's something that appeals to me before I go to that restaurant. And I think 
that if advisors see um, the referral process in that way, in other words, they might get a name, but then they're going to go online and Google that person yeah. and vet them before they've met them and see whether or not it's something that appeals to them. So if you have your digital properties not updated, if your website is from 1982, if your headshot is from 1978 and uh, you're not married to that person anymore, you've gained 50 pounds, lost 50 pounds, different color hair, you know, whatever you look like, you need to have a really an updated photo. So everything really needs to be refreshed, I would say every one to two years. And then everything needs to really line up in terms of what people find about you. So, you know, likely sometimes people will start on Twitter, let's say, and then abandon it. And um, so you don't want to have any properties online. So as a first step to get ready for 2023, you might want to Google yourself and see what information comes up, just like a potential client or COI would. And the second thing I was going to say for 2023 that I think is really important that we touched on too is the idea of personal brand. So it's as comfortable as you are, you know, and everybody has a different comfort level, put out some information about you personally. So it used to be, and there was an article in the Times, I just posted this on LinkedIn, that, you know, when I started 14 years ago, people were very distinctive about having Facebook for their personal and LinkedIn for their professional lives. Mm -hmm. And today, those lines are much more blurry for all the reasons that I gave earlier. So I think uh, also personal branding is something really important for 2023. Yeah, I, I think about just our work, working from home has caused us to really consider work life just melded together. So I totally get that. So if we were to leave our listeners with one, the most important thing they could do, you've given us a, a whole scattering of things to do, but what is the most important thing that they could do to brand their practice? What would you say that is? The planners need a plan. Yeah. So just like financial advisors create a financial plan and goals-based investing for their clients to help them with the steps to achieve a goal, Advisors need to create their own plan, which is a marketing plan to help them achieve their goals in terms of growing their firm and client acquisition or AUM, however they want to measure it. So planning and putting forth the right resources are really important. There's a lot of clutter out there and you want to find the white space and own that white space with your own content and your own brand in your own local market. Wow, April, what fun. You've been a real delight to have on the podcast today, and we do look forward to that November lunch. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, David and Laura. I appreciate it. If you're an advisor and would like to know more about the Rudin Group, it is really simple. Just visit therudengroup.com. That's T-H-E-R-U-D-I-N group.com. This will also be available in the show notes. If you like this podcast, you may also like the other FlexShares podcast called Funds in Focus. Check it out today and you'll find it wherever you get your podcasts. For myself and Laura Gregg, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of The Flexible Advisor. Thank you for listening to The Flexible Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.